0: Hi everybody! Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Sorry for the hiatus last week. I actually was planning on putting out episodes through my quote-unquote made-up mat leave that I was trying to pre-record episodes for, but I ended up getting induced uh, three, four weeks early. Even though we all, as we, (laughs) you all know, if you listen to this podcast, I always thought my due date was wrong. Anyway. so what's funny slash not funny at all is in this. I, so I recorded this episode that I'm calling part of the Under the Influencer series because I think Ashley Spivey, our guest today, is an incredible influencer and advocate for women. Uh, you know, over 20,000 members in Spivey's book club. I followed her slash stalked her since her days on The Bachelor on Brad, Brad Wilmax season, which if you um, listened, it was maybe a Kate Lila episode, the most recent Kate Lila, where somebody called in and asked my favorite Bachelor memories. And I basically just went into how like. My entire beauty routine in, I don't know, 2011 was deeply inspired by Emily Maynard. Uh, I used to be like such a fan of the franchise. And I was deep in like Bachelor Nation Twitter early in the day, uh, early on in the franchise. Um, And yeah, like Ashley Spivey, despite coming in 11th place on Brad Womack season, she has this magnetism and um, incredible spirit and incredible sense of purpose in the, the way she uses her platform. And I've just followed her forever, and I'm just laughing, thinking about all the random contestants that I maybe was interested in at one point that fell off over the years. Like I'm not still like knee-deep in Jade and Tanner's life. I don't know, like not to compare, but like there's something there's something special about her, and I um, know a lot, there's a lot of overlap in our audiences, and a lot of you love her too, and she's been really open and transparent about her story with fertility, with loss, with stillbirth. but there's a lot of funny, funny and light. Parts of this conversation too. a lot of talk about bachelor nation and um her arc ever since and you know us meeting our husbands at bars in new york city and whatnot and her being a mom to her daughter penny and in this episode we talk about um how she is a person that inspired me to not trigger warning everything i do not because i'm being insensitive but because there should be a level of honesty and normalizing in our difficulties to where you know if you're the one experiencing it like It's kind of tough to trigger warning your own life. And while I do think it's important in certain instances, when you have a platform where you want your tragedies to be thread into what you're doing in an organic way that doesn't make you have to feel guilty about them, not setting aside that trigger all the time is kind of freeing in that you're just allowed to be a person that coexists with your own pain. It's not that you want to trigger people. It's that you want people to know, like, if you're going to follow along with me in my life, this is part of it. So just you know, if you don't mind disengaging, that's probably the easier thing than me always warning you. Um, so I guess that in in a sense is my trigger warning because we do talk about fertility and loss and um, her advocacy work with the Soul Birth Prevention Act. And I think we get into it like the last half hour or so. I know I'm not great at time-stamping topics. Part of what we talk about is how, and, and I fall into this category of avoiding mom content that I found scary. Because I had a feeling if I saw it or if I learned about it, it would like manifest into existence when really learning about things that can go wrong, even though it can be anxiety producing, it can also be educational. And as scared as I was of so many things going wrong, um, being in my third trimester, especially like I didn't find this conversation triggering. I found it important. And I just wanted to tell you that we do talk about this stuff, but also that I was a pregnant person who wanted to talk about this stuff because her story is what made me go get checked out so many times to relieve my anxiety when I would have told myself I was overreacting, which leads me to why I didn't have an episode last week. Um, so this is my first time on mic after having a baby, but I am going to, there's a lot to, there's a lot to the story. So I need to figure out how and where is the right place to tell it. But I, didn't have an episode last week because I ended up getting readmitted to the hospital for postpartum preeclampsia and like near stroke levels of blood pressure and a level of fluid in my lungs that now when I listen to episodes like this, I hear it. I think I had a lot of excess fluid in my body that didn't need to be there for quite a bit of my pregnancy. And it got to a very um, terrifying point in the middle of the night where I could not breathe um, and had to go to the ER. And this was. The day after I was discharged to come home. And it it's a whole thing. And but I'm home now and I'll tell you more about it. Oh, I bring that up because in this conversation, I say part of what I what I was struggling with at the time is how to talk about pregnancy because I really hated it. And I, you know, two things can be true. I was also grateful. Um, but now that I am on the other side, I now understand that how bad I felt wasn't, I don't think it was normal. <laughs> And, um, and, so, so, and, I, and I present this in the context of being like, people keep diagnosing me because whenever you share something like that's difficult, people are like, oh, go get this checked out. And like, it, it kind of can wear on you because you're like, oh, I trust me. I have a doctor I have medical providers, blah, blah, blah. But, um, when I was recording my audiobook, I started getting insane spelling, like couldn't, like was having trouble walking and I was getting inundated with messages be, uh, from you guys being like, please be and people like in my immediately like, please be mindful of preeclampsia like you have a lot of the symptoms. And I went and I got checked out and at the time I didn't have protein in my urine and um, I but I did have high blood pressure and they ultimately decided to schedule an induction for high blood pressure. But I developed preeclampsia at like the last minute um, th- without severe features that got severe several days postpartum when I to the point where it wasn't even picked up when I was in the hospital for three days after having the baby. It manifested like later that week. And I just I thought that delivery was the cure for it. And I just I don't know. So anyway, I say in this like people thought I had it. And I was so frustrated because I was like, I don't. My doctors are telling me I don't. But I did. And you guys are the ones that uh, notified me of that. So thank you for putting that on my radar. Even when I'm like, come on, you guys, I'm fine. I just genuinely appreciate you like looking out for me and caring. And I know I'm speaking about this very matter of factly now, but I'll get into the whole thing um sometime soon. I don't know if it's on if it's I, I don't. This is what I'm trying to navigate. I'm like, do I want like my whole birth story? Like, A, do people care? B, do I want this on the main feed or is it Patreon? Um, and C, you know, how do you capture uh the misery and magic of a 36 hour? uh labor i don't know i don't know you guys but my god do i have thoughts i took copious notes while i was there in real time um because i was just so mesmerized by the experience because i didn't know a lot about it <clears throat> and now i just wow my understanding compassion empathy rage all the things just expands tremendously with with, with each phase of this as i tell you it just makes me want to go harder and be louder <clears throat> about all the shit we go through um, but the great news is I do have a young a second young, young son now, and I'm going to withhold talking about him till an episode that's more focused on him because I have a lot to say. So stay tuned in the coming weeks, whether here on Patreon and um, we'll get into all the details. But anyway, nothing's as bad as not being able to breathe. So I'm feeling grateful for that. And even you can hear how out of breath I am at points in this interview and low energy. I feel like this is ri- I love Spivey so much. And I'm like, God, Kate, you're so low energy in this. But this was like toward the tail end when. I don't think I had any business recording anymore, but I was like trying to get to the finish line. Oh, anyway, you guys love you. Hope you enjoy this episode. I also wanted to share uh, later on when she talks about her work with the maternal and child health stillbirth prevention act. And it's like, it's the most simple, straightforward bipartisan bill that would add stillbirth and stillbirth prevention to title five of the social security act and the nonprofit that created the count the kicks stillbirth prevention campaign. And I think the app that I Used and helped me maintain my sanity throughout the third trimester. Helped initiate this legislation after discovering the omission of stillbirth from the most important piece of maternal health legislation in the country. And there is a form that I put in the show notes. I'll share on Instagram is a direct way to ask your member of Congress to support the Maternal and Child Health Stillbirth Prevention Act. And it it really it's a really important legislation that recognizes that stillbirth and very importantly the disparity. And who is impacted by stillbirth, needs support, needs resources, needs research, needs prevention programming. It's kind of crazy to me that, that it's so left out of the narrative or legislation in this case. And is um, just doing such important work to try and prevent other mothers from experiencing the heartache she did. And this form is so easy. And it's like the... It, It's crazy to me that like the people grieving that have endured things like this, the ones having to advocate so hard for it when it just seems like a no brainer. And um, it's it's not political. It's not controversial. It's just keeping uh, women and their babies safe and putting more resources toward education about uh, pregnancy and maternal fetal medicine. And uh, among other areas of this umbrella of, of research that is kind of shockingly under researched and under advocated for relative to how much we talk about saving babies, please support this bill and Ashley because I appreciate her sharing her story. Anyway, you guys, more to come from me. Thank you for all your well wishes and support and kindness and enthusiasm. Can't wait to <laughs> engage in more dialogue about this. You know, to I, I was watching uh, some of my favorite episodes about um uh, giving birth, like leading up to it. You know, whether it's like. Becky having the twins on Full House, or when Moira rushes uh, Jocelyn to have her baby in Shit's Creek, or Rachel giving birth <laughs> on Friends. I was reminded of one of my favorite arcs of somebody who was like not super into motherhood, but then got really into it, and that is the Rachel Zoe project. I was obsessed with the show, and in 2011, I think it, I just rewatched it. So it was season four, episode eight, "Baby Changes Everything." All I can say is what Rachel Zoe said after having Sky Sky, which is holy life change. And she was right. So we'll talk soon. Hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. Since I currently don't really know day from night and I'm trying not to sleep in my contacts, pair eyewear has been a lifesaver. A great pair of glasses in normal circumstances can elevate a look no matter what. In my case, I just need to be elevated from bed so I can take the dog outside when I'm still in zombie mode. And pair Eyewear are these like really, it's a really creative company that was on Shark Tank. They have these budget-friendly fr- base frames that start at just $60, including the prescription, and then hundreds of top frames that start at $25. So you can build a collection of styles. And I mentioned going from day, night to day, day to night, or inside outside, because you can turn your glasses into sunglasses with a sun top. I think this is brilliant because you don't have to bring two pairs of glasses everywhere you go with you. They have frames designed for men, women, and kids, and everyone can customize their unique look. and one base base frame is all you need to express yourself in so many ways. So I have my regular base frames in the sun top. One of my favorite frame shapes on pair from Paris called the Kirby. But I also have like a red topper for when I'm feeling a little Sally Jesse. I have blue tortoise, which just makes me feel like I'm living on the edge. And as a person who had to get corrective lenses when I was like in the single digits of age as a kid, and it was just like a hard adjustment for me, I, they've like such cool options for kids to change up their glasses look all the time. And I think it'd be a really fun form of self-expression, especially if they're struggling with being new glasses wearers and they have, you know, sports teams and Marvel characters and all the colors, all the sparkles, anything you can imagine. I, I just think this is a really great idea for kids too, but I am an adult and I love it from blue light filtering lenses to if you need a progressive lens, light responsive lenses. And even I have a really high prescription and the glasses are still really lightweight and I'm just a big fan and if you'd like, you can elevate your summer looks and get 15% off your first pair when you go to PairEyewear.com slash Be There in 5. That's Pair, dot com slash Be There in 5. A theme of so many things we talk about here is how fields involving women are under-researched. And I love, love, love Ritual Vitamins. And it's a brand I'm proud to represent on the podcast because they understand that women belong in scientific research. They're essential. And Ritual has conducted a university-led clinical trial for the essential for women 18 plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results were an increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And why that's important is because this is an unregulated category that does not require those clinical trials, and they go out of their way to have a transparent supply chain to prove their product's efficacy, and it was created by a pregnant woman who wanted a prenatal vitamin that couldn't find one with transparency in its ingredients. So she sought out to develop her own product line and company that did that. And I just, I trust this brand and their multivitamin is made with high quality, and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. And you get nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Essential for women, 18 plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the labels, what's in the formula. And it's soy free, gluten free, vegan friendly, formulated without GMOs. And my favorite part is there's a minty essence in every bottle to keep things fresh. And it makes taking your multis like genuinely enjoyable. And I don't feel sick. Anyway, guys, Ritual is all about hot data and stone cold facts. Get to know your nutrients on a deeper level with 30% off during your first month. Visit Ritual.com slash Be There in 5 to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus to your subscription today. Hey. Hi. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. You're always glowing. My God. <laughs> How are you?
1: I'm doing okay. Yeah.
0: Are you home it's right kind of now?
1: Home. Yeah, I'm home. Um, Steve's putting Penny down right now. So we were trying to rush and get everything done. So oh my I can do this. <laughs>
0: Thank you for making time. What did Penny eat tonight? Of course.
1: She had pork tenderloin, quinoa, broccoli, and strawberries.
0: Nice. Well, you're the best for joining. I already started recording, so I'll max our use of time. Um, But yeah, when I... So I had put in a question box like a long time ago, like, who, who should come on the pod when I'm on mat leave? And oh my God, an overwhelming number of people said one Ashley Spivey, who's here with me today. I um I know a lot of you know her because a lot of you nominated her, but she's a beloved influencer and incredible advocate for women. She's a semi-new mom. I have followed her for over probably a decade now, which is nuts because of her <laughs> okay. connection to the show The Bachelor. And my God, she's so much more. And we'll talk through all things in the Spivey universe. But please welcome to the Be There in Five podcast, Ashley Spivey.
1: This is like I I can't even believe that people like still give a shit about me. Do you know? That? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always just like very surprised by that. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know why.
0: <laughs> it, it's funny because I was thinking about today. I'm like, I it's it's not like I followed many contestants well into their adulthood. Like, I mean, because you were on the so okay. First of all. Do you hate even being introduced or reduced to uh, your connection to the bachelor even if that's how people found you?
1: No, because I do think that's how I got my platform. That's how I got my start. Like I've been in the public eye since 2011 because of the show. So, I don't I don't hate it. So yeah,
0: 2011. That was before that was like was Instagram even out yet?
1: So it just started. We were using it to like filter, it
0: was- not yeah. Yeah. It
1: was like the very filtered pictures.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, I, this is like a deep cut, but I think I, I was like an avid follower of a blog you had a long time ago called Say No to Cosmo. Yeah. <laughs> was that in the early 2010s?
1: <laughs> I started it as soon as I got off the show. So, I, it was kind of like my dating chronicles because I thought, Cosmo gave really bad dating advice so I would kind of go against whatever article I had read in my dating life I guess um, but I also used it to recap the show yes yeah so yeah I- and I mean it's kind of funny because it's, it was basically what I do in my stories now like I would share burly stuff I would share recipes Um, yeah
0: Yeah. You've always orbited the (laughs) same topics. And that's maybe why people, among other reasons, have stuck around. But yeah, it's funny to think, I mean, because yeah, that being what, like 12 years ago, uh, it's pretty remarkable that you've maintained such a presence since then. So like you went on the show, you started a blog and like, Kind of like live tweeted, talked about the show and just kind of stayed in the ecosystem and have like storied and shared your life ever since.
1: Basically. And never went on the show again.
0: Never did Paradise. <laughs> never,
1: never did Paradise. Uh, never did. Yeah, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I really don't know why people still
0: give a shit. <laughs> I think it's because you're a person and not like a. I, I think that there was a. Uh, before like maybe 2015, 2016, when people got a little disenchanted with the influencer model and you could get attached to the people who shared their lives through Twitter, through Instagram or whatever, it's kind of like the or- original days of blogging. Like you kind of grew attached to people. And I feel like the most attached to people I met in those earlier days when it was a little less capitalizing and a lot more sharing. Yeah. Um, not uh, that I, I care don't... about the capitalizing now, but. <laughs> um, but you're also, what's also funny is like in 2019 or 2018, I sent you a copy of my first book and then yeah. I, and you shared it on your stories. And then I was at a book fair and these two girls came up to me and they were like, we just saw your PR box and Ashley Spivey's story. And those two girls are like two of my first close friends i met here. And they're still two of my closest oh. friends. One of them runs the poetry account Mary Oliver's Drunk Cousin named Lindsay, and the other one's Allie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It, isn't that funny that you're like the connector for two of my close friends? How have I never heard this
1: story before? I know.
0: I know. Th- this is why the internet can be cool.
1: Yeah. No, I, I was actually talking to someone the other day, and how we're just so sad that Twitter just became the cesspool that it is. And that, I mean, I'm no longer on Twitter, but I met so many friends through Twitter. And I mean, Instagram, too. Like,
0: I don't know. (laughs) Are you on threads? Is threads over? (laughs) Uh,
1: So I was waiting because I saw someone say that if you downloaded the app and then you tried to delete it, it would delete your Instagram. And I was like, I'm just going to wait for the games to work themselves out. So I was waiting. But then I just saw that usage has gone down so much. So is it worth it?
0: I, th- I think it was first day of school energy. I think we just wanted somewhere yeah. new to go. And everyone was, like, stoked for the downfall of Twitter. Which is ironic to, like, go gu- guns blazing for Duck. Like, as if we were <laughs> more excited to support him. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, there was, like, kind of a fun Twitter-verse of Bachelor Nation in the early 2010s. It, like, even before people linked clothes and stuff. Do you remember, like, pos- like Possessionista would say what people were wearing?
1: I love Dana. Dana is one of my, like, good friends. Oh, really? I I used to follow her religiously. Yeah, she was so wonderful. And, like, that was so fun. But also, like, I think one reason I don't show myself a lot on Instagram is because those early days of Twitter and, like, watching people live tweet, like, episodes people would just be so harsh on people's appearances and stuff like that that I think it, like, really did have an effect on me. And that's why, like, you won't see me
0: that much over (laughs) Instagram. That's an interesting point because I do feel like those days of The Bachelor was almost prime, like, let's make fun of the contestants. They're so stupid looking for love. Yes.
1: (laughs) which is I really did not know what I was going into – I I went on the show just to like get back at an ex-boyfriend. I wasn't thinking of it in terms of like notoriety or that it would lead to any sort of celebrity because I knew that like no one really went on the show and became famous. Right. But I didn't know that people would come for you so hard like on these forums or on Twitter. So that was a reality check that I just did not expect.
0: I love that you did it to get back at an ex-boyfriend. That's the joke. Is no one's there for the right reasons? What is the right reason? Everyone, it's great revenge,
1: (laughs) right? The producers want people who are there not for the right reason because those are the easiest people to exploit,
0: right? (laughs) So, didn't you come? Did you come in like eighth place? No, like eleventh. Oh, really? Yeah. You had such good contestants, though. It was kind of. I did an episode. Recently, where somebody called in and asked me my favorite season, and I said yours, which is funny because it's the worst Bachelor, one of the worst, the worst. But the best girls, and I was just like so enamored with Emily Maynard. I think everybody was.
1: No, as soon as she walked in the house, I was like, "All right, let's just leave." Yeah, this is over. <laughs> yeah, she won. I already know. Was she is sweet in person? She is an angel, and she's also very like quick-witted. And just smart and, like, street savvy as well. She, listen, I would marry her. Like, <laughs> she's, she's awesome. Like, I, I really cannot express just how lucky Brad was that she even, like, thought about him in that way and how badly he just, like, fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: yeah. She was kind of um a... a- the thing I remember most about that time is how she got me into like Fiji nail- colored nail polish or SE ballet-, ballet slipper. And at one point, she tempted me to buy a Tem2 airbrush makeup system, which is just a very intense thing for like a corporate person in corporate America to own.
1: <laughs> we all got them after she had it in the house.
0: Yeah. I mean, she looked great, but <laughs> that's funny to think back on now. But okay. So, uh, so post show. You obviously weren't like meaningful, meaningfully heartbreaking, broken. Had you already lived in New York at this point?
1: Yes. And you were already nannying? I have lived... Yes. So I had started out, I was with two different families. And so I had to quit my job basically to go on The Bachelor because I was nannying for a senator. Oh. And they were like, you can't go on a reality show and be a nanny for a senator. So that was understandable. Um, went on the show and I was just kind of like, I think I'm done with nannying because every time you have to leave a job, it's like a death, you know, yeah. Like you, you love the kids so much and you leave, you don't see them every day. It's just really, really hard. And those two previous families I had worked for were kind of harder families, um, in terms of the parents, and I just didn't think I wanted to put up with it anymore. Um, I went and worked for a hedge fund. I was doing like admin work at this hedge fund. And Burley's parents contacted an agency. So the agency was like, we, we know about this family who's from North Carolina who also went to UNC Chapel Hill. Um, we think you'll love them. Please just go meet with them, even if you, know, you don't want to return to nannying. And I went, fell in love with them, fell in love with Burley, and quit my job the next day, basically.
0: <laughs> it's so, I've loved watching that nannying. Uh, like, I've, I love, I've loved how you've talked about nannying and how been a part of his life, his whole life. It's pretty wild. And I love that you're still close because you haven't been his nanny in years, right? Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been part-time.
1: I mean, since he was in kindergarten, basically. Uh-huh. Um, but I think they were very smart in knowing that good child care is very hard to find. So they kept me around by saying, you know, work two nights a week or come and work for us in the summer and we're going to give you more of a salary rather, rather than just working full time. Um, so that way I didn't go and look for other jobs. Mm-hmm. I just stuck with them. And so last year was really <laughs> whenever I stopped working for Burley. Yeah. And that was basically just because Penny was coming and now he's twelve and they don't really need me anymore. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. It I mean it's I'm like in the process now of talking to people and it's just, it's such a it's like such a big deal. Like who who looks after your children and I've never been a mom before. I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> Like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, I want you to like me. I want to I enjoy being here and we'd have a very livable, healthy wage. Like, but it's hard to know, yeah, what to look for. Has having your own kid made you feel differently about childcare? No,
1: I think because I do want someone like me and that's hard to find. Mm-hmm. I don't want that employee employer relationship. Like, I want someone who actually feels like family. Mm-hmm. And we've even had a hard time just finding a babysitter for Penny. Like, yeah. <laughs> we just had our first babysitter for her two weeks, two weekends ago. She's seven months old. Like, that's how long it took to find someone.
0: And how do you find, you mean like you talk to them on the phone and kind of vet them and check out the vibe?
1: So, the first three people, um, two people live in my building. So I would see them on the bulletin board. Um, they came up, met Penny. But every time I would text them, they couldn't do it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. They're just very in demand, I guess. Um, and then another person actually was from my Instagram. And she was like, you know, I work at a children's hospital. Um, I have all these qualifications that you wouldn't necessarily get in a nanny or a babysitter, which made me feel better. Um, but again, just scheduling hasn't worked out. And then this last weekend, um, one of our friends was just like, we have this nanny who always babysits her <laughs> our kids, just, you know, try her out. So I had her come and interview the day before she came over and she was lovely. She was so wonderful. And I, oh, I good. completely you had a positive her.
0: experience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, we're also like a city people raising a city kid and I don't have immediate family that lives here, nor does my husband. And it does freak me the fuck out that anytime we both want to leave, we will be hiring a stranger.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's stressful.
0: It is stressful. And I'm with you. I don't do transactional well. Like, in general, the people I work with in life, like, I I do like to have a more friendly, familial-type dynamic. Not in, like, a way that crosses boundaries, but I don't know. I'm just not good at, like... The transactional part. And if if it's with your child, I don't see how I could fake that.
1: Right. And I I know
0: some people want those boundaries, but that's so interesting. Yeah. I am a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Like if my qualifications are too high, because I, I don't know if you babysat when you were a kid, but my God, I was like 10. I had never changed a (laughs) diaper. I just ate fruit roll-ups, watched rated R movies, took names. Like, (laughs) yeah, such a bad babysitter. (laughs) (laughs) Did you babysit as a kid?
1: Not as a kid because I I didn't live near anyone um, in my town, but um, I did it all throughout college. And even thinking about some of the babysitting jobs I had been, I was like, why did someone hire me? But yeah, people
0: really weren't overthinking it back in the day. (laughs) Wait, so how, how you grew up in like a really small town? Yeah, like
1: 900 people
0: in the whole town.
1: In the whole town. How many
0: people at the high school?
1: So the high school was very big because there was only one high school for the whole county. Huh? So there would be like, you know, 700 people in your class.
0: <laughs> so my parents live in North Carolina. They're on the coast. Where in North Carolina did you grow up?
1: Like The middle bottom of the state, near Southern Pines or Pinehurst. Oh, okay. It's a really small town called Ellerby. Oh,
0: okay. It's only
1: claim to fame is that Andre the Giant had a ranch there.
0: Wow. <laughs> I love small town claim to <laughs> fame. <laughs> it's so random. That's so random. Um, and you, yeah. you went to Chapel Hill, you said?
1: Yes. Went to Chapel Hill till halfway through my junior year, transferred to UNC
0: Wilmington. Okay, and you got married in Wilmington, right? Yes. Did you know that's where they film the summer I turn pretty. Yes. Ugh, it's so nostalgic. I feel like such uh like I, my childhood, like was North Carolina beaches and it makes me long for that.
1: No, I, I would love to go back to North Carolina if it wasn't so backwards. I know. <laughs> but I
0: just, yeah. I know. Yeah,
1: beautiful place. I <laughs> backwards know. Backwards policy.
0: Some of the people in the comments, cause I talk about this a lot. They were like, if she grew up in North Carolina, did she also like Spend summers hitting up the boardwalks and the surf shops and like trying to get vacation boyfriends did you go to like cliche beach towns and like convince yourself you were a surfer chick
1: so i feel like if you live in north carolina you didn't really go to north carolina mm-hmm. beaches like my family went to myrtle beach
0: ah on vacation
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the jersey shore of the south right um but, yeah, we would go to the boardwalk there and have summer boyfriends. It's just not as idyllic as
0: <laughs> the summer I turned pretty. <laughs> no. Myrtle Beach is a hoot. I thought it was, like, so fun going there back in the day. But, yeah, now it's, like, a little bit of, like, a beach time square. It doesn't excite yeah. <laughs> me in the same way.
1: Yeah, it's gross. Why did,
0: why did you uh, move to New York?
1: Uh, wow. Um I had previously lived in L.A. for a little while with an ex-boyfriend, and my aunt lived there. Those were the two places I was thinking about, right? New York or L.A., like the opposite of where I grew up. So I decided I wanted to try New York. The guy I was dating at the time, he was going up there to work for Lehman Brothers. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'll, that's I'll stable. up with ha, you. That's not
0: going anywhere. <laughs>
1: No, exactly. I was like, that sounds like a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so we move up to New York in August of 2008. And literally, mm. that's whenever the economy just took a downturn. And Whoa. Yeah, fun time to move
0: to New York. It's it, I feel like it's funny because I moved from like a small college town. And I just think I was very swept up in late 2008. 2000- Oh, it's like bright lights, long nights. The city, like, I just really wanted to take on the city.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Same, I I think that's what I had in my head. So, whenever we moved up, and that's what happened, I was just like, Oh,
0: this is not the same,
1: (laughs) no, not at all. Yeah, Caroline, we just picked like a really bad area of town to live in. We lived on like 49th between second and first, and it was right by the UN. It's so, like we couldn't even like get to our apartments most days
0: <laughs> because there were always protests. I know exactly where you're t- that's <laughs> hilarious. You're like wow, we're near the Empire State Building. This is the best neighborhood in all of New York. It's <laughs> horrible. It was so bad. It's so funny. but you've stayed there. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have their New York moment and then they'll migrate elsewhere but you've stayed the whole time, right and do you pl- plan to raise penny there?
1: Yeah, I mean, where we live, I mean, you know Battery Park to yeah, me. Love. It's like a suburb of New York, mm-hmm. and we love it here. There's so many parks. It's very green. It's quiet down here. Um, I just, I feel like New York can offer her everything I didn't get when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So we want to stay here for as long as possible. Who knows what's going to happen, but th- that's the plan for now.
0: Don't you have? Is it true that you have to like get on lists for preschools, like when they're infants? <laughs>
1: uh, probably Penny's going to public
0: school, will my kids. I don't really understand what Montessori is, but uh, the lists I'm like, yeah, they have some price tags attached to them. Damn,
1: yeah, no. Um, we have looked like at a couple of twos and threes programs, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but she's definitely going to public school.
0: (laughs) I I love Battery Park City. Kind of you have a lot of opportunities to get out of the congestion or like it feels more open air, open space than a lot of Manhattan does.
1: Yeah. And I've lived in almost every part of the island. Um, I lived in Brooklyn Heights for a little while as well. So I feel like I've done my tour of New York. (laughs) This is the area that I like most. Um, I mean, I I lived in Midtown East. I lived in Times Square. I lived in East Village. I lived in Alphabet City. Never lived in Murray Hill. Um, (laughs) I never (laughs) lived in Murray Hill. But I had friends who lived in Murray Hill. So I feel like I kind of lived there because I
0: always stayed with them. Wait, did you meet Steve at Brother Jimmy's? Yes. Okay, I lived across from the Brother Jimmy's at 31st and Lex.
1: Yes, we also took our engagement photos there. That's right.
0: What I tell you, every time I went to Brother Jimmy's, I thought I'd meet my husband over a tall boy of beast and it never happened. You really lived the dream.
1: (laughs) I did. I did. We went there a lot. Um, You know, it closed. It did?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's sad. No, I met my husband at a, a slightly less cl- classy establishment, but distant cousins. Uh, did you ever go to Mason Dixon in the Lower East Side? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like isn't it so weird? The sliding doors of meeting your life partner by a mechanical bull or at a bro at a bro gym's. It's like <laughs> what? What if you hadn't gone that night? It kind of psychs me out sometimes.
1: Well, Steve and I. It's even worse than just being brother Jimmys because. We met at Brother Jimmy's. We didn't like that. Didn't end up working out. We really connected at Bounce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just almost spit out my water. That's so funny. Bounce is like the token place you go for like an obligatory corporate happy hour to play ping pong with your colleagues.
1: <laughs> I know, and like they're so nice there, like. Steve used to go there all the time. So whenever we got engaged, they were like, you can throw your engagement party
0: here.
1: (laughs) Is he an avid ping ponger? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I think he just went there to, like, watch sports or whatever.
0: So many people, when I asked for questions, asked about Steve's celebrity run-ins. And I'm not sure I know the context.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. So Steve... For whatever reason. And this is very funny to me because Steve actually, like, never knows the names of celebrities. Mm. Like, he'll know that they're famous, but he can't remember their names. (laughs) He has just run into every celebrity you can think of, and he will go right up to them. He has no shame. (laughs) Will, like, ask for a picture or just start talking to them. I mean, he has some
0: amazing stories. Like, he just... So if he sees somebody he recognizes, he has no qualms about saying hello, introducing himself. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of remarkable. No, I know.
1: I think one time he was sitting beside Jonah Hill at Soul Cycle and Batman had just come out that weekend, or some one of the Batmans, and he asked Jonah Hill if he wanted to go see Batman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My God. I'm honestly impressed. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's so hard to make friends as an adult. You somebody's got to have the gumption. Yeah, I, I I don't think Jonah Hill was. He like didn't take him up <laughs> Yeah, he, he tried. <laughs> Wait, that's so funny. So does he? Has he ever sent you have a photo like of someone, and he like recognizes them but does not know who they are?
1: All the time. Well, I think one time he sent a picture. I can't remember who it was now. But I was like, that is not a celebrity. <laughs> oh, he thought it was Sean Penn. And it wasn't. It was not <laughs> Sean Penn. <laughs> Got it real wrong. But no, I, yeah, he'll go out and he sent me a picture of like Jaw Rule once.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good sighting.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was like after Fire Festival. So it made it even better. Um, yeah. I don't even know. Like one time... I think we were in first class coming back from somewhere and John C. Riley was behind us and Steve kept on putting up his phone to like, take a picture. Like, be and, cool, like, man. Not being discreet at all. I was like, please stop. <laughs> that's
0: really funny. <laughs> I, I, I love like when people have like sitcom quirks, like that's such a specific quirk to have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like He has
0: many. Doesn't he fall asleep everywhere, too?
1: He falls asleep everywhere. He wears two pairs of socks. (laughs)
0: Like, always?
1: Always. For the compression? I think he has some, like, weird feet sensory issues (laughs) um, because he loves wearing his shoes indoors, and that horrifies Mm. people. Like, Every time I do a Q&A, someone will ask, why does Steve wear his shoes indoors? Or how am I fine with Steve wearing his shoes indoors? And listen, I hate it. But also, that is like, I don't feel like fighting about it anymore. Right. Like, obviously, <laughs> it's very important to him. Although he did say the other day that Penny is crawling now. So he mm-hmm. doesn't want to wear his shoes indoors. So that's all it took, I guess.
0: But yeah, I was asking people on um I think it was Patreon. Like when you had so I have a dog and I'm like I don't know, pretty casual with the dog, like he can go where I go, he can sleep in my bed, whatever. I was wondering if people with dogs that are effectively their first child if if your boundaries change once you have a baby and you're like worried about bacteria.
1: No. Not really. Like, Jackson has been French kissing Penny <laughs> since she was a baby. Like I know. I see that happening, too, and I don't see her. myself
0: stopping it.
1: <laughs> I, it's building up her immune That's system what I is how think. I look okay.
0: at it. <laughs> Did Jackson take to Penny well?
1: The first couple of days, she gave him anxiety. He was like, why is this thing crying? Why is she so loud? It's disrupting our normal, like, schedule. Right. But now he loves her so much. Like, if anything, he just wants to give her so much love and affection, and
0: she's just annoyed by him. That's so sweet. I'm such I a sucker know. for dog and baby friendship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I figure one day it'll change. I just hope that, like, Jax isn't too old by the time she wants to, like, really hang out with him. Like, I'll start crying if I think about
0: These it. These are things <laughs> I think about all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I like this is like at night. I just watch tugboat breathe, and like you just start to spiral. It isn't normal to to have to like face something with a short lifespan that you're aware of. I know it's too much. I um yeah i I feel like J- Jax has been in the he's been around forever. Like, when did you get him?
1: So Steve had Jackson before me. Okay, he actually got Jackson with another girl, and in the oh. in the split. Right. Steve kept the dog oh, and okay. so yeah that's the, like the funny story about Jax is the first time I ever came home with Steve like I knew I was gonna like stay the night with him so I brought flip-flops in my bag and I had on like Aldo Hills <laughs> <laughs> and after like whatever we hooked up I decided to just leave like <laughs> in the middle of the night and I As soon as I shut the door, I was like, oh, I left my heels in there. So, like, now I'm going to have to talk to him again. And he called me that next morning and he was like, so weird that you left. I thought we had like a really good night. I have some bad news. My dog ate your heels, but I would love to replace them. You know, just send me your address and I'll send you a replacement. And I'm like, no, they're like, Aldo, I probably paid, like, $15 for them. Like, I don't care at all. Don't worry about it. Like, Jackson can keep them as a toy. And he was like, no, no, no. Send me your address. I'm going to replace them. So by the end of the day, he had sent me Jimmy Chews as a replacement. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, what? This is the <laughs> nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. I'm, like, scared to
0: wear those.
1: What? That's like, such a cute I- <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Did he even attempt to look at Aldo's price points, Or did he just assume that's what (laughs) girls wear? (laughs) I guess that's just what he thought girls wear. (laughs) That's adorable. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so you, like, post-bachelor, you're in New York, you're nannying. You at some point start Fivey's Book Club or get your following, like, engaged with what you were reading. I think that was a big part of your early platform, Right.
1: Yes. So even that's how I feel like I mainly got started on Twitter is I would review books there and I made a lot of author friends. So then I moved that over to Instagram and after Reese Witherspoon started her book club, people were like, why don't you start a book club too? And that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, I, (laughs) I don't follow like any sort of Co- Coherent like model to my book club. Um, sometimes the author comes and talks. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I forget to even talk about. The
0: book. Do you like host um, actual meetings? No. Oh. <laughs> I was interested <laughs> if it was more like a online community. If you have Zooms or how it works. It's very loose.
1: Like we just we read the book. Sometimes we talk about it. Sometimes we don't. Um, I feel like. Mainly people just want to know what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. So that's what we go with.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's almost the better way to do it because you have to be careful to not make something work. That's predominantly for leisure.
1: Yes. Because you still... I feel like it can just... That's exactly right. Like I do feel like for a while there, especially during the pandemic, that it became... Very work heavy instead of being like pleasurable. But also, I felt like I had this duty to really help authors Mm -hmm. because all of their book tours were canceled. Mm. So I was like, come on Spivey's Book Club Instagram account, and whenever your book comes out, you can take over the account for the day. And that's 20,000 people that are going to look at whatever the story is. And that's like you going on a book tour just because i've i've felt so awful for all of them although people recently have been like whenever you do your book of the month you should have an author come on and do the same thing so maybe that's what we'll go with
0: no it really i didn't i didn't really understand until i wrote a book like or a longer form one how your like soul is poured into this thing that people are very you know uh the way people review and digest books. It's just, it's almost so impersonal and so like jarring and, um, deeply personal to the author and like numbers are so different with books and like 20,000 people really fucking matters to an author. Like that's a really big deal. And yeah, sharing people's work is insanely important. You, you mostly do fiction, right?
1: I do mostly fiction, although, um, One of the last books that I did before I kind of took maternity leave from the book club was um, Grace by Cody Keenan, Mm -hmm. who was Obama's speechwriter. And people love that book. Like, that really resonated for people. I don't know if it was just like that moment in history and that was the right book for then, but... People really loved it. It's just that I feel like I read so much news I that I just I need know. a break sometimes. So that's why I stick with mostly fiction.
0: I know. I um and I find with fiction reviews, people lately are very um like the quality of the book is directly correlated to the level of spice. And I'm not always even in the <laughs> oh, in the market for that. Sometimes I just want <laughs> friendship and nice banter. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I know. Spicy books are having their moment. They are
0: having their moment, and I got on the I got on the side of spicy book talk at one point where they just quote things out of context from some of these books, and I'm like, "Whoa, I'm not ready
1: for this." Although I feel like um, one of the books that kind of made the book club very popular was "The Idea of You" oh, by yeah, Robin. That, Lee. that is a good one.
0: Uh, yeah, that's like a Harry Styles pop star fantasy. I mean, so good. Yeah, uh, were you like a huge reader as a kid? Yes,
1: because there was no one around.
0: In my <laughs> <laughs> I, Those are my friends. I think looking back on the, even before YA, like I, I, my favorite book phase to think back on is like, I feel like I loved like 1800s women with like waterborne illnesses. Like, did you read it? Dear America or like The Midwife's Apprentice? <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't know why I were all like historical or like Sarah Plain and Tall. I read that one. <laughs> That's about a mail order bride. It's pretty much this plight of 90 Day Fiance. I'm like, why was I reading that?
1: <laughs> it was very popular. It
0: was very popular. Do you remember what your favorite books were as a kid?
1: I mean, I just read like all of the series. It was like Sweet Valley High, oh, yeah. all of the Christopher Pike books, all of the R.L. Stein books all the babysitters club um yeah it, i mean it was mostly just those series
0: that was kind of thrilling with bsc though i mean to be able to be like yeah i've read 84 babysitters club <laughs> like it's just not a normal amount of books but it was really satisfying and they were numbered
1: yeah yeah no and i was obsessed with the series as a kid too like i wanted diabetes i wanted to be like stacy oh
0: understandable <laughs> well she's the only one with a boyfriend yeah. Who was 17, by the way, or was he 17 or 18? She was 13. Luca was <laughs> 17 right. and she was 13. <laughs> I forgot about the S- age. Such a, such a problem. Yeah. Stacy and Don, I think, well, Claudia had the coolest clothes. Mm-hmm. Stacy. She had the boyfriend yeah. and then Don like wanted to save the earth, which was very like cool. Clarissa explains it all vibes that, you know, like kind of the earthy character. Yeah. So many people wanted to know, obviously, what you're reading these days and if you have any recs. Oh, wow.
1: Um, what am I reading right now? I just finished Do Your Worst by Rosie Danan. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read The Roommate? No. It's, it's another spicy book.
0: <laughs> I have it. I'm, like, and- semi-new to reading. I used to read, like, only nonfiction, which is weird. But I, like, in the past year, needed more escapes and got more into fiction. Like, I just had Emily Henry on the podcast recently. Uh, I, I, I love her. I love Hen. I want her to be my best friend. She was a doll. I, I Yeah, so I'm kind of, like, actually excited because I'm dipping my toe in a lot of stuff most people have already read. Yeah.
1: Um, no, Emily Henry. So I feel like her first fangirl because I was yelling for people to read her books even before she started doing – more of what she does now like she used to write more YA yeah and I loved her YA um but for whatever reason you know it just didn't blow up like her other books have not that her other books aren't great like I love them so much but I hope people will go back and read her YA backlist as well because she's just a phenomenal writer
0: just banned her very well she does she does how do you feel about Um, coho like this is a good time to thank our advertiser and also to clarify that i didn't say on the podcast is that that even is that like a normal thing people call colleen hoover that's who i was asking about by the way um before we get to the rest of our conversation i want to thank the advertisers making my maternity leave possible i want to thank base luggage because they're one of my favorites and they're a brand created by a mom who wanted better solutions for travel actress and model shay mitchell who created base luggage i know you guys heard me talk about this ad nauseum but It's the perfect luggage. It's fashionable and functional. I am sure you saw Raquel back in the day sporting her Weekender bag. I have a lot of packing anxiety, specifically with like, I don't understand how people bring enough shoes, but you can bring everything you need and more with the size and functionality of of base luggage. They thought of everything you could ever want. So the Weekender has like this zip pouch at the bottom that fits like pairs of boots and there's just small details like in their rollerboard suitcase, there's a memory foam cushion handle, 360-degree gliding wheels. The the weight is built in, so you can know if you're going to hit that 50-pound limit prior to the airport. It's just got everything you need to keep organized. And I can't rave about the diaper bag enough, you guys. It comes with, like, it, the back folds out, so you can change your infant, like – in you know, a sanitary environment with your own backpack, there's a spot for wipes. There's also a spot for your laptop because we can have it all. And um, I just think it's a really great product that I've been using even before having a baby. And every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. You can listen to me, but Base has over 30,000 five star reviews, and it's a reason this brand is so insanely popular. And right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting slash be there in five. Go to base slash be there in five for 15% off your first purchase. That's B E I S travel.com slash be there in five. I think I've converted a lot of you to Evelyn and Bobby bras. Evelyn and Bobby was founded by a size 34 G woman who was sick of the pain, discomfort and posture issues that her underwire bras were causing her. And like I said earlier about better research, better technology for women's issues. She realized that the underwire technology for bras was 91 years old and decided there had to be a better solution. And she spent years in R&D to create the proprietary Evelyn and Bobby core technology that's in every single one of their wire-free bras. And when I tell you that this changed the game for me pain-wise, even before I ever got pregnant, and they're just, they're so damn comfortable. I can't emphasize it enough. And their proprietary EB core technology is, it's a patented 3D sling that was meticulously engineered to lift and support from below. And be able to comfortably support up to a K-cup. And what I love about Evelyn and Bobby is that their goal is really to make products you can forget about. And they make beautiful products that don't get in the way. And they now have this new bra called the Starlet Plunge. It's the latest wire-free bra with adjustable straps and a backband for sizing flexibility and their lowest neckline ever to give you the ultimate versatility in fashion choices it's smoothing seamless invisible under clothing and it's the lowest neckline and thinnest straps ever it's important to know with evelyn and bobby bras to trust the unique size chart to look at it for each style and then it can take up to three wears for the products to fully mold to your unique shape they mold to your exact shape and perfect this custom fit over a few wears and you'll be amazed once you do and i just it makes sense to be designed by people with boobs for people with boobs in the modern day not 91 years ago but don't take my word for it there are over 10,000 five-star reviews. And Evelyn and Bobby is giving be there in 5 listeners an exclusive discount code to try Evelyn and Bobby bras risk-free for yourself. Use code be there 5 on evelynbobby.com for $15 off your first bra. That's evelynbobby.com spelled b-o-b-b-i-e with code be there in 5 for $15 off your first bra.
1: Listen. So the idea of you, the whole reason I read that book is because I follow her on Facebook and on Instagram, and she was raving about that book. Mm-hmm. So I read it in 2018 because of her. So I even want to say maybe the first Spivey's Book Club book was a Colleen Hoover book. Um, I, I, I just think they're very, they're easy to read. Like, yeah. I always say, I need a mind vacation at the end of the day. And so I need something that I can just completely immerse myself in that isn't like real life.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: So her books can be like that. And I do think they're gateway books for a lot of people. Like that's what makes people decide that they like reading. They'll read like a Colleen Hoover book and then, you know, they expand their taste and, As long as it gets people reading, that makes me happy. I know it's, like, really popular to hate on her right now because she's become so big. But she's done wonderful things for the book community. And her books are staying on the top list for forever. She she
0: prints money. I mean, yeah, she is so incredibly successful. And that's what I think is interesting about book reviewing is, like, my barometer is, was I entertained? (laughs) Like, I don't really... (laughs) I don't really overthink it um right and I and I people that are voracious readers I mean god bless them for the good it's good to do in-depth reviews and authors appreciate it but um I don't yeah I don't think I need maybe as much out of a fiction read as other people do and I find them entertaining however the only book I haven't read because people told me I got into I started reading Colleen Hoover books and then people and then when I was Doing like fertility stuff and now pregnant people told me not to read verity and i don't know why because i don't know the plot so that's the only book i haven't read because people said it was like triggering but er that's the book like everyone's read i feel like
1: maybe i don't ever feel that way because sometimes i'm just like my real life was so horrible (laughs) nothing i can read in a book will ever be like triggering to me right but um I personally loved Verity just because it was so different from everything she had written before. I'd say, like, read it if you want to. Like, don't let other people, I'm looking like, for scare
0: you any and it. always to pass the time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> actively, maybe I will. Um, yeah. Wait, so I cut you off. The ones you're currently reading, you said The Roommate?
1: Oh, no. So, I. Um, it's a it's an ARC of a book that is coming out by her in November. Okay, which I really think is a missed opportunity. I talked about this on Instagram. It's a book about um, a spell breaker or a curse breaker and an archaeologist. Nice. <laughs> and nice. they're in Scotland trying to get rid of this curse that has like been in this castle. <laughs> And this sounds like such a great Halloween book. I don't know why it's coming out in November, uh, but it was very entertaining. I loved it. It has, she writes spice really well and like dirty spice. Mm. Yeah. So that was fantastic. I'm reading a YA book right now called Going by Coastal, and it's kind of like sliding doors, and it involves this Jewish um, Jewish young woman who is trying to decide if she wants to live in L.A. for the summer with her mom or in New York for the summer with her dad, and if she stays in New York, she pursues this girl who she's been in love with for forever, and if she goes to L.A., she falls in love with this guy who's working at her mom's, like, marketing agency, And it's just cute. I love the double uh,
0: meaning of going by. Yeah. (laughs) That's clever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very tongue in cheek, but it's cute. Um, Yeah, it's just a mind vacation.
0: (laughs) I love a mind vacation. I've bought, speaking of Rex, I feel like I've bought so many things because you told me you liked them. Like, I I wasn't going to be on top of the Scout Massager game until you introduced me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I just last week bought those boots because of my ankle swelling. <laughs> those are great. Right?
1: I know. And also, that's just such an annoying part of pregnancy that I feel like no one really ever talks about. It's just how big your fucking ankles can get.
0: <laughs> I feel like they're really taking... I feel like they're really bringing down the room. When I go out. To, <laughs> like I just... People at this stage of pregnancy, people visibly feel bad for you. Because I... because. It it you it is exhausting and I am very swollen and it is hot. But I was like at the Barbie movie with those ankles, and I was like, this is not the. Fun.
1: <laughs> Are you just wearing like all maxi dresses? So like, like no, I'm no too hot. Even see them?
0: <laughs> and I just keep buying these shoes and going up a size, and then the internet's like, you have preeclampsia, and then I'm like, ah, and I. That's like another interesting thing with um, I like tr- talking about stuff good and bad. I'm sure you've experienced this too. It is interesting having people weigh in on your, your yeah. symptoms, your pregnancy, your body, your what issues. kill
1: you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, that picture I sent you of my yes. ankles, whenever you were yeah. talking about it, I put that up at like 19 weeks or whatever it was. And so many people told me that I had that. And I was just like, my doctor follows me on Instagram, like if she sends me a message, I will be worried. Like, please don't scare me even more than I'm scared every day.
0: Seriously. (laughs) I follow your doctor on Instagram. Dr. Lucky, right?
1: Yeah. She's a doll. She's wonderful. Um, just like the best person to go through a pregnancy with.
0: So was she your OB or your fertility doctor?
1: So she was my fertility doctor. But she actually let me stay there, like, a little bit longer than I was supposed to. Um, And then the doctor I went to at the Rainbow Clinic was, like, her mentor. Mm. So anytime anything happened that scared me, I would text her and I would text my OBGYN at the the Rainbow Clinic.
0: Wait, what is the Rainbow Clinic?
1: So So the Rainbow Clinic is um, a specialty hospital here in New York at Mount Sinai. And it's for families who have experienced previous losses, whether it's like recurrent miscarriages or stillbirths, and they're well-trained in language that is empathetic to the families, Mm. which can be something that's very upsetting when you go to other hospitals. I had a different doctor before I switched over to the Rainbow Clinic because every time I would go in for an ultrasound, it was a teaching hospital, and they wouldn't say anything at first and they would have trouble finding the heartbeat. And I I would leave every time crying hysterically because they weren't talking to me or they would say, I'm having trouble finding the heartbeat. Jesus, Yeah. Not what you want to hear. And then I actually had this like very scary moment where I passed like a giant blood clot and I called and they they weren't like, come here right now. They were basically like, we can get you in at 1 p.m. today. So I was like, that's it. This They don't know how to handle someone who has had very upsetting losses up until this point. So went to the Rainbow Clinic and it was lovely.
0: That's so interesting. And something that I didn't even know bothered me <laughs> about how so much of this goes. It's so, it, someone else's routine every day their job their nine to five effectively is speaking about something that's so incredibly personal and sensitive that like i often find myself in hysterics where the appointment just gets weird because i'm not interpreting or reading the tone right um especially early on like i had so much miscarriage anxiety and then you're made to feel crazy yeah so do they let you check up a lot
1: I could go in anytime. time. Um, they did ultrasounds at every appointment that I went to to make me feel better. And the first thing that they would comment on is the heartbeat. Yep. Um, everyone there, like I, I can honestly say no one ever said anything that made me upset. Wow. You know, they they work with um, push for Empowered Pregnancy. I don't know if you've ever seen me mention that organization before, um, but they do a lot about stillbirth prevention and just how to handle, you know, these families after tragedy. And so they train everyone to be more empathetic and use better language around providing better care for these families. And I wish it was something that every facility cared about because, miscarriages affect so many different people. You know? <laughs> like, it's, it's a large part of their population that's coming in there. And if you're upsetting them, you could be providing them with such a better experience. And it's just something they refuse to do. And it's mind blowing.
0: It really is mind blowing. Sometimes like the waiting for results is mind blowing. The and now legally they have to post results without context or commentary. So you're like overthink I mean, I can't get I can't get an answer. I'm like almost full term and I had to I texted my pediatrician to ask a question about my pregnancy because I knew she'd respond. And I can't get my OB to respond for two days. It's like it's so weird the level of inaccessibility at such a precarious time. I love I love the concept of that.
1: Yeah there's, so there's one in New York now and they just opened one in LA and I know they're hoping to do, um, ones all around the country. And I, I hope they do because I, I think it's a very valuable facility. Um, one thing you were just saying about, you know, finding that out, posting the results and, you know, without context. So this is, this is a fucked up story, but, um, whenever I went in and they couldn't find CJ's heartbeat. Um, no one ever really said to me that he had died, right? But I got a notification on my phone after they did those uh, ultrasounds and couldn't find the heartbeat. I got a notification on my phone that said fetal demise. Holy. And I was, just, yeah. And so that that's definitely part of the experience where you're like, there's just, it's so robotic and there's still, like compassion there. And so that was like the moment it was real to me when I read that notification, even though I'm, I'm sure it should have been real to me when I didn't see his heartbeat. I think I was just in shock, but yeah, I got the notification.
0: <laughs> it, it It is interesting how something about seeing things in writing like cuts, it it, it kind of penetrates in a way that the concept doesn't. I think you and I have exchanged before how like even my first loss like just getting a bill for like a spontaneous abortion I was so confused because I was like wait yeah I didn't even know the language was the same um, and I learned so much from that like just in terms of how and so many of my listeners like f- followers and listeners were like yeah I you know I come in for a D and C and they'll say the front desk or wherever you're going, like so-and-so, blah, 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 abortion. They're like, whoa, wait. And people get confused because they think that means that it's elective or whatever. It's just like the language is, is really, really tricky around so much of this stuff. And it's a big, it, majorly at fault too, is how it's been co-opted and used to galvanize right. voters incorrectly outside of its medical context.
1: Right. And that's what's so upsetting. And, you know, when so many people... After you do have a DNC and you're trying to like explain to them, you're like, well, you know, this was a medical abortion or whatever. And they're like, that's not what it is.
0: Like, no, it like, literally okay, well, is. Have you
1: gone through it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. So, I and I've learned so much from you. So I actually wanted to ask you about just to even put it on people's radar. So you've, in the past few months, I've seen a lot of work you've been doing. I think it's called the, what's it called? The Stillbirth Prevention Act that you've been doing advocacy for. Do you mind yeah. sharing if you if you're comfortable um, about DJ and what you're doing in that realm of advocacy, because it's really important. And some of the statistics I've been learning from you, I'm like, what? why don't people talk about this?
1: Yeah, um, I think because, you know, talking about stillbirth, especially around anyone who is pregnant, is just very upsetting, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one ever wants to bring it up. And I think that's one reason a lot of doctors don't talk about it because they almost think like you can speak it into existence or they don't wanna like overly worry you. But stillbirth is 15 times more common than SIDS. And think about how much we hear about SIDS and how much you're taught like back is best and all these like safe sleeping practices And no one's telling you, like, how you should monitor your kicks or how you should monitor their schedule and how you shouldn't wait and, like, drink juice or drink something cold or, like, move your stomach around. Like, if there's any change in that at all, you should go in immediately. Um, Basically, what the Stillbirth Prevention Act, it's very simple. Um, It's just adding the word stillbirth to Title V of the Social Security Act, which was created in the 1930s. And so if they put stillbirth in the Social Security Act, then states can get funding for research and programs to provide stillbirth prevention techniques. Okay. That's it. It doesn't cost any extra because that money has already been appropriated. Um, It's just adding a word. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And if they do that, then places know that they can get those funds to do prevention, do education. And hopefully we can arm people with that knowledge because we know from places like, I think it was Sweden, they did um, counting the kicks there and they reduced stillbirth by 25%. Wow. Crazy. Like, we know that there are preventable stillbirths. Of course, there are so many where, you know, there's nothing you could have done. But if we could prevent 25% of these kids dying or babies dying, like, this is happening at a rate of 66 a day. That's three kindergarten classes.
0: Yeah. It's. It's, it's, uh, The stats are wild to me because it all I spend my days doing like research about absurd things with baby products then you get them they all have these huge ass tags you can't take off that are all about suffocation and SIDS and it's just like so top of mind everywhere and um yet when you said I think in one of your videos you were saying like one in four stillbirths is preventable is that correct yeah so when you say preventable, it's it's education and resources like teaching kick counts or using apps like Count the Kicks or just being aware of monitoring fetal movement. Yeah. So in your experience, so and if you don't mind me asking, I think you said this in the uh, video I was watching about the act that you yours was preventable.
1: I, I believe that it was there are kind of, there are two things that went wrong on the day that CJ died. And I think that if it would have been handled differently, I would have had a different outcome. Um, Basically what happened is at 31 weeks, I went in for a routine appointment. It was for me to go and meet another doctor because at that point I was starting to rotate doctors in case mine wasn't available to deliver. Yeah, Um, and I wasn't even supposed to do an ultrasound that day. They were just going to do, um, like listen to the heartbeat. And so I went, I met her. She was lovely. Um, she mentioned something that day. She was like, you know, you should feel him moving 10 times an hour, which is outdated advice, but something like went off in my head and I was, I was like, you know, I haven't felt him move that many times today, but also he doesn't move that much in the morning. So I don't know, am I being crazy now? Cause you said that now I'm just worrying. And she was like, well, we're going to listen to the heartbeat. If the heartbeat's fine, you have nothing to worry about. That was also bad advice. The moment I mentioned that he wasn't moving, she should have sent me for monitoring right then
0: Okay. to get like an NST.
1: Yes. The heartbeat doesn't signal anything. Okay. You know, like Cause his heartbeat was strong whenever she took it. Um, but she she sent me home. I went home. I like I walked Jackson. I went and like bought something for a sponsored post I was supposed to do that day. And something just like kept on going off in my brain. So I told Steve, I was like, I, I'm gonna call the doctor. And he thought I was like kind of being crazy too. But my doctor was like, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Just go in. Like, who cares? Like, if you're worried about it, I'd rather you find out if something's wrong. So I, I walked to the hospital. It was like 15 minutes away from me. So the time in between these appointments was like five hours. He died in five hours. Wow. So I don't know what they would have found out if I just would have gone into the doctor at that time, but, um, obviously something was wrong with him. And I think he was in distress, um, because his movements had changed, but yeah, I don't know. And like, that's something I have to live with every day, you know?
0: Right. You you don't feel like you can say we did everything we could, and that's not the feeling you want to have. Right. And that's the feeling you want other moms to have.
1: Right. I know I didn't do everything I could. I know that doctor didn't do everything she could. So like, I'm going to make sure that now I'm doing everything I can so that other people do not have to go through that.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize you were 31 weeks. That, I, A, thank you for sharing. I, I'm sure it's not like something you are always wanting to talk about or access the feelings of. But I think that um, you normalizing that I mean, like I'm like, I'm pregnant currently and it doesn't, it's like so important for me to be aware of, like, I just don't think it serves us to be like scared of worst case scenarios when you could be educated by them. And yeah. I genuinely appreciate how much you've talked about it because it's horrifying and traumatizing and you don't want, you don't want the burden to be on the people that experience it to be doing the advocacy. And I hate that even you have to be the one in DC arguing for something that makes so. it's like, just add the word. <laughs> Right. And really, well, no,
1: even I think it's upsetting too, because a lot of what we're fighting about now is saving babies. Right. And this is a no brainer. Right. These are babies that are wanted babies that like could survive if something's determined at that time to be wrong. And if we're doing more for them. Um, yeah. It's just, it. it's upsetting to me. I don't know why. I think we're like, one hundred and fifty one out of one hundred and eighty one countries in terms of, you know, positive outcomes for births. <laughs> it's just like, I I don't understand why more isn't being done to prevent this, why more isn't being done in terms of research. Mm-hmm. It's
0: it's a shame. Um, I continue to be I, astounded by the lack of research on all fronts <laughs> by something. It's like of all things that money should be flooded into, it's like repopulating the earth. My God, like, why does no one give a shit about, I don't know, maternal medicine. It's upsetting.
1: It's very upsetting. And kind of to go back about what you were talking about in terms of, like, talking about it, I, I'm i always, like, kind of um, – I know – I. Not that I'm like careful to talk about it because I always do want to say something, but it's hard because I feel like I do scare people and I've even seen like my friends, not like my best friends, but my friends who are pregnant, I'll see them like re-follow me like once they have their kids. Mm. So I almost feel like sometimes I'm like I'm scary to people or people don't want to to talk about their pregnancies with me or I don't know. It's like it's such a hard (laughs) not not that it's a burden because I like talking about CJ and stuff like that. But ugh, I don't know. It it puts me in a weird (laughs) predicament.
0: I was going to ask you about that because I feel like I took your lead on this, Um, especially going being in the middle of like a fertility journey and the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year. Like it was, it was kind of an intense, weird period to be a person that's like trying and also advocating for um, bodily autonomy and dealing with like all the weirdness and trolls and shit and um, all the while trying not to trigger people with your by educating through your own experience. And I feel like I, at one point I saw you say, like, I'm not going to trigger warning my own life. <laughs> like, this right. is what we talk about here. And if you want to fall and and I kind of just stopped doing that at first, I was like so awkward about it warning people at every turn I was going to talk about something potentially upsetting, but I'm like, I understand that it can be triggering, but also it kind of sucks to live it too. <laughs> like, yeah, You know, maybe <laughs> give some grace to the people sharing these anecdotes because, you know, it's not like I'm doing it for kicks. Usually it has a purpose.
1: Right. No. And that's, I do, I, I feel like a giant trigger warning. That's what my life feels like most days. And it's hard to be that person, I guess, because I think I've always tried to be like a fun person. <laughs> and I think that people like used to like hanging around me because I was a fun person. And then all of a sudden to become the person that like people actively avoid, especially like if they're pregnant or if they're going through like something very happy, it, it sucks. <laughs> this, uh,
0: this is why I just, I find pregnancy and fertility and wanting to have children or not to be the weirdest intersection of joy and heartbreak, where you everyone, everyone's coordinates are at a different point and everyone's experiencing something very different. And like we really you almost have to go out of your way to like let everybody's experience to exist alongside one another's because it's too hard to dodge the scary stuff, the exciting news, the gender reveals, the losses. And I just kind of got to a point where I was like this is why this is so beautiful and unique and important to talk about because like it's so gut wrenching and everybody's vantage point is so different and it is so personal and almost so hard to talk to people you're close to about that. There is a lot of value in strangers sharing. Yes. And I find myself (laughs) consulting strangers on the internet for things I'm worried about because I don't want to worry the people in my immediate life. I don't want to, or like, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Or, yeah, you don't want to bring the room down. I just feel like all right. of the content I consumed post-loss was from people I didn't know because that way I was having a conversation I didn't have to participate in.
1: Yeah, no, I, I look back at the time after CJ died as like just being so lonely mm-hmm. because all of my friends were having kids and by all accounts had like very easy pregnancies and I don't fault them for that. Like mm-hmm. I'm happy for them. I wish I knew what that was like. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could have like a very easy carefree carefree pregnant and never or pregnancy and never know what like having a miscarriage is like, or having a stillbirth is like. Um, and I know that like they didn't invite me to things because of that. And I know like I didn't go to things because of that. And that's hard. Yeah. And thank God I did have an online community and people I could talk to about it because I know, like, Steve was probably so tired of hearing me <laughs> cry about it or talk about it, or even my family. So I, I think about that a lot. I even think about the fact that I'm someone who struggles with depression and some days I can get online and like no one knows that I'm seriously depressed mm-hmm. same <laughs> they just yeah they just they think like my life is normal and like everything's fine but no I'm, I'm majorly depressed like posting from bed
0: <laughs> truly I doubt uh, sometimes it, it isn't that isn't that a weird instinct though to like feel bad or like or even that it's kind of um just such a misguided belief that like reality is negativity
1: <laughs> right <laughs>
0: like it's not really a choice it's just kind of what's happening right uh, um i think i sent you this when penny was born but it was really sweet i i think wait you had penny right around thanksgiving you were like in labor on thanksgiving
1: yeah, yeah i had cj and penny both on thanksgiving
0: that's crazy right that's really that was crazy not I, I, yeah, I, know I know firsthand right now what a weird game due dates are. And like, they're just so not set in stone. That is so that's wild. So I I think I said something on my Instagram story. Like, is anybody else like ignoring Thanksgiving? Cause they're like on penny watch 2022. <laughs> and then I can see my DMS and my swipe down notifications. And I think I sent you a screen, like a video. I had like literally a hundred people that they're like, oh my God. I can't sleep. I'm pacing my apartment. This is my royal baby. People were just like so excited for you and Steve and for Penny. And it was really I I love like sweet moments on the Internet where like there's a lot of shitty stuff that happens, but there's a lot of support, too. And people were so excited for Penny.
1: No, it that made me cry. And actually, like, I was thinking about that. I went to this Ben and Jerry's, like, <laughs> event recently. And everyone there was a food blogger. Like, I, I was the only person there who wasn't a food blogger. And someone asked me, like, what my count was. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I do on social media. And it was very hard to articulate what it is that I do but I basically was like, you know, I just have this community that like really wants me to have a happy life. <laughs> and I do. I feel true. like that's true. I mean, even like, listen, I know I've had like my share of trolls and people can be awful, but I do feel like at the end of the day that people just want me to be happy or they wanted like a happy ending for me. Yeah. So yeah. it, it's nice to be kind of like in a A happy period on social media where, like, everyone really loves Penny and enjoys her, her eating videos. And I can still, like, say my political shit or whatever, but (laughs) interspersed with some some
0: cute baby (laughs) stuff. (laughs) I freaking love Liquid IV. And they now have it in sugar-free. And the fact that I can hydrate two times faster than water alone with this product is enough of a sales pitch for me. Because I literally drink it all the time, now more than ever. And like like what I view get brought up when I was doing like fertility treatments and like when I've been in the hospital, like people, this product is legit and people love it. And it's so, so effective. It's no wonder it's the number one powdered hydration brand in America. And like I said earlier, it's now available in sugar free. We quite like this product and have almost entirely switched to it. It's years in the making. Their hydration multiplier sugar free uses a proprietary zero sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink Plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. This is key for you water truthers like me out there that just don't want to spend their day drinking water. I I can't. (laughs) and I just I love the efficiency here. You can keep your daily routine exciting with new flavors like green grape, lemon, lime, white peach. And they believe in equitable access to clean and abundant water. And that being the foundation of a healthier world. What I also love with this longtime partner of ours is they partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. And to date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Now sugar-free? Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free, in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BETHEREN5 at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you use promo code BeThereIn5 at liquidiv.com.
1: So we always wanted to, we knew we had one girl embryo, right? So we we thought we were going to go with a boy at first. The first transfer didn't work out. And we were just kind of like, you know, every loss that we have had has been a boy. Mm -hmm. We need to do something different. Mm -hmm. We wanted to name her Penny or not Penny. We want to name her Kennedy. Because we both love um, Bobby Kennedy so much. So (laughs) that was a name we had picked for forever. And then kind of just when everything went wrong, we were just like, we need to start all over. We watched the Beatles documentary and like fell in love with the Beatles all over again. And Penny Lane kept on coming up and we decided to go with. Penelope, call her Penny and not do Lane because that's just taking it like a step too far. (laughs) But we gave her the middle name Lynn after my mom, who was just like so devastated after CJ died and had just been like so wonderful for us. And like her dream has just to be a grandma. So we wanted to honor her. So it's Penny Lynn.
0: I love that because it still has the flow and cadence of Penny Lane without being Penny Lane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds very Southern. <laughs> it does.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. Oh my gosh. I love that. I I was going to ask you, because I feel like, um, speaking of arbitrary concepts of negativity, like uh, the, I don't, I don't feel like the medical stuff doesn't freak me out. What freaks me out is people that just really don't seem to like being a mom or being a parent. <laughs> What I, this is such a silly question, but I I keep asking my friends. I'm like, what do you like about being a mom? I'm just, it just helps me look forward to (laughs) the future.
1: Wow. I mean, I, I've just always really loved kids. Right. And like that, I had plans to be a lawyer. like, I never knew that I was going to become this career nanny, but when I started working with kids, especially babies I was just like, this is so happy. Like, I just love being around kids. They're so joyous. They're so innocent. Just watching them learn new things every day is just so life-affirming. And as someone who does struggle with depression, like, that helps me. Mm. Like, watching them be so happy. And don't get me wrong. There are hard parts. And I know people get so frustrated. They're like, you don't talk about the hard parts of motherhood. (laughs) There, There are hard parts. But... The good outweighs the bad and just watching them be like so silly and happy and develop their own personalities is just such a joy to watch. And I thought like I had seen it enough in all these other babies that it wouldn't be as special when I had my own. But I cried the other day (laughs) when she was sitting on my lap and she like reached out and grabbed the closet door handle and pulled open the closet, and I cried. I don't even know why that made me cry, but I'm just like, she opened the closet. It was just like her brain worked yeah. to like do something she had watched us do, and that just blew my mind, and I cried, and that happens so many times a day, and it's going to be the same for you. Like I know you like have no idea what to expect and that's what's going to be so wonderful. There are just going to be so many things that blow your mind every day and surprise you and just make you so happy. So.
0: I hope so. I, I'm, I am looking for, I think that there's, I know so little about babies and kids. I I hope all, I find it mesmerizing. <laughs> you will. Because <laughs> also I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm 35. I've like lived, I've done the thing. I've lived life without kids. I've been married for a while without kids. Like I'm not really missing out on, on, like, I feel like this is the time of my life. Like I want to be doing this. Um, And I know you don't sleep and stuff, but I'm like, well, I hopefully it'll be time well spent. I I just am struggling, I guess, with the kind of doomsday. Just you wait, you'll never sleep again vibes. Cause like, yeah, maybe, but I don't really sleep well now. I'm. Like Humpty Dumpty. I I can't even roll over.
1: I'm the same. And even like I've mentioned this before and it makes people angry. I don't require that much sleep. Like I'm fine if I get four hours of sleep. And I've been that way my whole entire life. So whenever people were telling me, oh, you'll never sleep again or they'll be like, oh, you're going to be so tired. I'm like, great. I've never experienced that before. That sounds cool. Like, I can't wait to be, like, a little tired because that's a new, like, experience for me.
0: That's funny you bring that up because I don't actually, I'm not a big sleeper either. Like, I, I'm I'm kind of in the four to six hours range most nights. I felt validated when I heard Obama only sleeps five or six hours a night. Like, that some people, maybe it's not good for you, but I've always been that way.
1: I think that some people are just like that. And I think babies are like that as well. Yeah. Like I hope that's something that maybe I can make you feel a little better about is people get so stressed out when it comes to baby sleep because there are these very like general guidelines like, oh, your baby has to sleep this amount of time or this for a nap or whatever. And all babies are so different. And so don't let that really stress you out. It's hard not to get very consumed by their sleep patterns and you know your baby's not sleeping as much as this baby or whatever but try to just keep in mind that all babies are so different and I hope you know that that part doesn't stress you out too much
0: I somebody DM me like I said something about sleep or sleep training and somebody's like don't fall for the sleep industrial complex I was like ma'am I don't know what that means I don't know what you're talking about I don't Sleep industrial, I guess it just means like sleep training. I don't know. I didn't even know that was controversial. I don't, it's funny to be a person on the internet who knows so little. I don't know when I'm saying something that's a hot button until I get like the flood. I'm like, oh, this is touchy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, you probably are better equipped having cared for kids. I mean, professionally, but um, how do you like decide what to share and what not to share? Mm. Hmm.
1: I I, I kind of feel like I'm still figuring that out because as soon as you say something, no matter if you have the best intentions, it's going to make someone feel like shit, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um. So I guess I always try to have some sort of disclaimer when I talk about Penny's sleep or how I handle something. Um, because... It is so different for every family. Every kid is so different. And I do always try to be very sensitive to people's, you know, their, their home life. Yeah, Whether like a working parent, stay at home parent or whatever. And it's, it's so touchy and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something I'm still figuring out.
0: Well, even like I have so I I have so many complaints and thoughts and things about pregnancy that I try to like bite my tongue because it's like you don't only know your experience. You're speaking truthfully about what you've experienced. But then it's the context of, well, at least I'm home. At least I'm not on my feet. At least I'm not still, you know, like you think of all the privileges you have that make this less undesirable for you, even though you're about to communicate in a really undesirable way. I'm kind of always, like, doing calculations on the fly of, like, yeah, When when is it fair to speak from my own experience and when do I need to qualify it with, like, I know this could be worse. I know this isn't everybody, you know? It's kind of confusing to exist online.
1: I always think about it, like, in terms of grief, you know, and how there's no, like, grief Olympics. Right. Like, hard is is very relative. Right. That's right? true. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Like, I... I'm not ashamed to say, like I really do not like being pregnant. Like I, I'm just a basket case the whole entire time, and I I can't enjoy it. And towards the end, it was just so painful, and just so many scary things like happen that I'm just I'm not a good pregnant person. Like I I don't enjoy it. It was not beautiful to me. Like I did not feel beautiful. <laughs> I I no. honestly don't think I can do it again. Like, if if we can have a surrogate, I, I'm pretty sure that's the only way that I'll be able to give Penny a sibling because I just I can't.
0: I think that the anxiety piece post-loss is something that's, like, so hard to manage. Like, because you really do get in a place where, like, if you've tried for a while and it's not worked out for one reason or the other, kind of like you were saying earlier, I, I'll, like, see a woman in home goods with a baby and his children, and I'm like, it's so crazy that you tried to get pregnant and you actually got pregnant and then you carried to term. and Then you had healthy, like I calculate through all the steps that like all the ones I never got through and just, it always seems so impossible. And even going through them, you almost convince yourself like, God, this is just, it feels so far away that I don't know that I ever like enjoy it. Right. Until you get to that like point. And I think that I've just, yeah, the anxiety is a piece. I think I thought I'd maybe, feel more resolved the further along I got, you know, viability, but still, yeah. Like I spent my entire Sunday, like in triage doing an NST and it's just like, Jesus, does the, you know, can you ever just breathe and be like, we're good. But you know, until you, until it happens, like, no. So that's, I, I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> it's kind of just an additional layer to the physical discomfort. Like, you know, I don't know. You just want it to be okay. But yeah, gotta say, I started out saying pregnancy was 2.7 stars, um, but now I'm pretty close to zero stars. Do not recommend.
1: <laughs>
0: These last weeks I, are I'm missed. Really,
1: yeah. And even, it was hard for me to ever, like, talk about that because it was always coupled with... well I'm grateful. I'm just, I'm, I'm very... Yeah, I'm grateful, which I am very grateful, but also I think maybe we've done a disservice to women and making them think that like pregnancy is this enjoyable, beautiful thing because you know, it, it's literally killing them and you know, people aren't looking out for us and they're, they're being forced to carry pregnancies. Right. And it's, it's not going to be when they're forced to carry these pregnancies, like a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's going to be traumatic and horrible and, uh, I think about yeah, that. What are all we what are we
0: smelling? Like this was my choice. I wanted this, like very much so. And it's this bad. I mean, it's just yeah. I know it is pretty crazy. And I, I think that um, I don't know. I am I'm literally sitting on a ball as we speak. I'm I'm at the point now where I'm like full on QAnon for like inducing yourself into labor. I'm like eating weird things. <laughs> it's like you just get a breaking point. But people are so uh People w- were very adamant about me getting some of your other recs because I think people, obviously, the influence element of this. Do you, do you have a problem with the term influence or do you mind calling yourself that or me calling you that? Because you are influential. So long,
1: but whatever. Yeah. Like what what else would I call myself?
0: <laughs> I feel like there's if you have an audience, you have a platform. That's just kind of is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, Is there anything right now? OK, we did books. Is there anything you're obsessed with right now? Skincare wise. Skincare wise. Wow. Um,
1: I actually just went to the dermatologist today because I'm getting back on spironolactone because my hormones are going crazy again.
0: I used to be on that cystic um, acne.
1: Yeah. So mine's back. Another fun thing after pregnancy. So but listen, I'm I'm fine with going back on it because my hair looks great when I'm on it. My skin looks great. When I'm on yeah, it. I think
0: I peaked when I was on I Right? To, I just had to drink more water. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a miracle drug. I mean, it it makes me pee all the time, but I'm fine with that.
0: What about baby products? Is there anything you're obsessed with right now? Hmm.
1: Um, There is this annoying little duck that Penny (laughs) loves so much. Um, And she's starting to kind of like creep around right now. We're really starting to... Those beginning stages of crawling, like army crawling. This duck goes around in a circle and like goes all over the floor. So she kind of crawls after it. She loves it so much. And it just makes me happy to like watch her play with it. (laughs) I feel
0: like I've seen that in a crab form. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel did you feel like overwhelmed by the amount of shit you have to buy or like people tell you to buy? I'm just curious to see what I actually use.
1: So I think I'm pretty lucky in that I have a lot of best friends who actually live in downtown Manhattan with me. And so they were like, don't buy anything Mm -hmm. and we'll just kind of pass along stuff to you, which has been really nice. So we don't have like a ton of toys. I actually repurposed. I had like a um, breastfeeding cart. I took all the breastfeeding stuff out and just put Penny's toys in it. And so it, it fits in this little cart, basically. Oh, that's amazing. All the things
0: that we have for her. Yeah.
1: I think I lo- And I kind of have told myself we have to keep it in the cart.
0: Yeah, keep it contained. <laughs> put up in, take it out. I mean, I, the, when you're kind of in a city, smaller space, like it, you could get overtaken very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, were you part of Snoo Nation? <laughs> Yes. Okay, I got one like secondhand off Facebook Marketplace. I had no idea that sharing that was going to spark such debate. People have very strong feelings. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Well, um, I'll try it. Like whatever. <laughs> Did you yeah, like it?
1: No. Oh, I loved it. And I, I just have to say this. Like, it gave Steve and I a lot of comfort because we knew that Penny couldn't roll, roll over. over in it. That's how I feel. And. Some people would actually like, you know, I didn't ask for them to send me this, but they would send me things and they were like, that's not safe sleep. And I'm just like, don't send that to someone who has had many losses. Yeah, no. Like, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Let, I i am a smart enough person. If you follow me and you think I'm smart enough to, like, hold, like, eloquent thoughts about politics, trust me enough to, like, take care of my kid.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: You know, like I, I can research things. I can like, I can think about risk. Um, so that the whole snoo thing, it made us feel better. And once she got to the point where we knew she could roll, then we transitioned her out of it. It's that simple. But I do credit Penny being a pretty good sleeper to the snoo. And I, I highly recommend it to people.
0: I also got the Wi-Fi baby, Brad said, because you told me to. Not you per- directly, I'm but I, for you to <laughs> that. I heard you endorse it. <laughs> you, see, you are influential <laughs> In many ways. I,
1: didn't you get the dryer, too?
0: I got the new one. That's the bottle washer, sterilizer, dryer trio. Like, they're telling you okay, you don't even I'm need like, to scrub, which I don't think I believe. But
1: I'm excited for you to use that. <laughs>
0: I wanted, like, a coffee bar of baby devices.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. So, I mean, the Wi-Fi, Brezza, that's so key. Like, I wish we would have had that one where we could just literally do it from the bed because it's going to come in clutch, like, so many times. But the dryer is what, like, I'm really excited for you to use. (laughs) Did
0: you use the dryer?
1: (laughs) No. My kitchen is very small. That's why I was like, if you have the space for it, please get it because we actually, so for the first three months, I think I washed all of her bottles. Now we just put them in the dishwasher and I put the, um, sanitizing rinse at the end. So I don't have to like mess with all that. But the annoying part is that, you know, they are very wet and you have to wait for them to dry. And I don't have yeah. enough space here to dry them. Yeah. So you're doing it right.
0: Got all the gadgets. My husband is like, this is like smart house for babies. He's like, what if our wife our wi-fi goes out like this new the, the Nanit, like everything's like maybe we should disconnect a little but it's kind of like and you know people especially older than you were like we didn't have these things i'm like well we do now and i'm gonna try them and whatever
1: yeah well maybe their lives wouldn't have been so hard if they did have them. yeah <laughs>
0: no. look at my dry bottle. No. Suck it. Um, <laughs> no ashley you're such a delight thank you for more about your life and your story. And I, people just love to hear from you. And uh I wanted to connect how I'm like, my God, I know so much about her. And yet we've only met. Is it, have we only met in person one time? Yeah. It's so weird.
1: And I feel like so we weird. even, we barely got to talk even then. Cause you were just like being overwhelmed with everyone. Who
0: that was January, that 2020. Night.
1: Yeah. Right before the world ended.
0: That's so crazy. Yeah. Well, let's change yeah. that then. <laughs> We're glad we're still in touch. And thank you for always being a supportive and kind person to me. I feel like I told you I was pregnant before I even told the world. I bet a lot of people do that with you. People tell me sometimes that follow me. They're like, I haven't told anybody. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I love hearing people's yeah, good no, news. I
1: felt very honored.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's like, you feel so invested in other people's journeys. And there've been many, many times where you've made me feel less alone. And whether it's the you know, scalp massager, iron lung boots I now wear or making me feel less alone with fertility stuff. Thank you for just being a friend to everyone on the Internet. You're the best.
1: Of course. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is why I stay on here. You know, like these types of relationships. Um, hopefully, like these continue. It, it, you know, that was kind of like my bad error. That's the end of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hopefully continue whether here or on threads or wherever the hell else we go. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll all keep in touch. Where can people find you?
1: Oh, um I mean, I'm mainly on Instagram. Uh it, I'll always just be in stories. I'm never going to post pictures to my feed. <laughs> <laughs> um or you can find me on uh Facebook. My book club is there. I wish I could move it off. There's really no better option. Maybe I'll move it to Substack one day. Who knows?
0: Oh yeah. Spivey's book club is on Facebook, right? Okay. Yes, it is. Amazing. Well, you're the best. Go enjoy your night. Thanks for All right. getting Penny to bed and <laughs> fed so we could chat. This was so much fun.
1: Of course. Anytime. And anytime you have any sort of baby questions, you can DM me or text me. Either way. You no, know I will.
0: <laughs> Don't threaten me with <laughs> a good time. <laughs> you're the best. Thanks, Ashley. Of course. Thank you so much to Ashley for sharing more about her life since The Bachelor, her influencer arc, her book club, her experience with her path to motherhood, and um, very importantly, her work with the Stillbirth Prevention Act. I put the form in the show notes and we will share on Instagram as well. Uh, And you can find it in her highlights at Ashley Spivey for the Maternal and Child Health Stillbirth Prevention Act. So important. And it's a quick form that allows you to ask your member of Congress to support the maternal and child health stillbirth prevention act. And it's very straightforward and you can read more about it. And it's so, so important. So thank you in advance for your concern and taking action. You guys are the best of the best and come back soon for more from me regarding all things motherhood. This may change on a dime. And I know I'll hear all the Hamiltons of the world say, just you wait. I mean, it was a long and very rough road up until like a few days ago. But you know what, guys? As for now, I can report I'm doing better than I ever was. As always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.